Hello, everyone. Welcome to Stay Paid, the sales and marketing podcast from Reminder Media, where we bring you the actionable advice to help you grow your business so you can live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. My name is Joshua Stike, Vice President of Marketing here at Reminder Media, and with me is Luke Acre, President of Reminder Media. What is up, everybody? Today, our guest is David DeSell, and it's an interview that I know Luke and I are both really excited about because David is actually out there speaking with and helping financial advisors live to their highest potential. As a former successful advisor himself, uh, very successful, he took his last team from being ranked 300th out of 350 teams all the way up to being the number one performing team in the country in just five years. But he's currently coaching FAs on how to put together personal branding strategies, to increase their exposure and authority in the marketplace through his company, the Financial Advisors Alliance, which is a company he started that is for advisors by advisors. Each and every day, the Financial Advisor Alliance releases valuable information for free so other FAs can grow their practice without the common financial hurdle faced by most other training programs. David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us here on Stay Paid. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm uh, looking forward to diving in. Yeah, David, thank you so much. Guys, just to let you know, you know, we got connected with David through LinkedIn. And I'd like to mention that because just like you guys that are listening to this podcast, we're growing our business and networking every single day. And I believe it was our vice president of fi our finance team that, you know, found David on LinkedIn, reached out to him, started communicating. Then David and I had a phone call and have gotten to know each other a little bit. And now I've started to network together and hopefully doing some things together here in the future. But that's how business works. It literally is reaching out, starting a conversation, and it leads you to where you're on podcast together, you're exchanging value together. I always like to point that out because I know a lot of you guys are waking up today just like me and going, hey, how do you build connections? How do you build relationships? How do you add value? And this is something that, you know, very basic. We just literally found David on LinkedIn, yep. messaged him, started talking, and here we are today. So David, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. I love it too, guys, So because you gotta watch the video. If you're just listening to this, stay paid. Go to our YouTube channel and watch the video because David is what I would call a young hustler, as Grant Cardone would say. Because <laughs> this guy, I mean, you wouldn't think he's young, but man, this guy is super young and killing it and hustling. So David, if you could introduce yourself to our audience, give them your backstory. I like to say the 30,000 foot view, just kind of introduce them to how did you get into the business? What has led you on this journey to starting a coaching firm and ultimately where you're at today? Yeah, so thanks for teeing me up. So basically, um, I was an advisor fresh out of college. Um, I started with the firm as an intern, transitioned full-time immediately upon graduation. I literally graduated on that Saturday and went into the office that Monday. You know, a lot of my friends were taking, you know, a couple weeks or a month-long sabbatical, if you will, and I was <laughs> like, no, let's, let's just get right to it. Um, so I spent seven years uh, building my practice with the firm, and five of those years as Josh Josh's mentioning, um, I ran our new advisor development program and balanced that alongside my practice. And as you mentioned, you know, where you're ranked, you know, based on recruiting, retention, uh, production, uh, the amount of bodies that are in your unit, so to speak. And we were ranked 300 out of 350. And then in that first year, I actually didn't quite keep track of it, but if anything, <clears throat> excuse me, we moved backwards in ranking hmm. um, because at the time I was a and if you're watching the video, I got my finger quotes up. I was a 22-year-old leader, um, you know, whatever that is. I didn't have a ton of life experience behind myself. And I was coaching you know, kids who were fresh out of college. Um, I was 
you know, coaching people who are transitioning out of other careers who are older than me. And it was just sort of a, sort of a weird makeup. And I didn't really know what I was doing in that first year. And then I spent um, a ton of time between personal development, professional development, leadership development, hiring my own coaches along that journey, both internal to the organization and external in the org- uh, outside of the organization and really focused on becoming a leader. And over the next four years, we scraped and clawed our way all the way up to being the number one performing team in the country for, uh, it was eight of the last 12 months that I was there before I transitioned out. And it was throughout that journey that I just really fell in love with coaching and consulting because I've always been big on, you know, the, the three things that the financial advising career sort of um, uh, pushes, which is impact, income, and independence. And I've really spent a lot of time realizing that the more impact you have, the more income that you're going to have. So yes, I can go out and I can acquire 50, 60, 70 new clients on my own in a given year. But if I can go ahead and teach 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people how to go and do that same thing, that impact is then multiplied. So I basically came to a crossroads where I said, okay, I want to help more advisors grow their business, help them impact their communities. But the firm that I was with basically said, yeah, you can do that, but it has to only be with our advisors, right? So again, I was limiting myself. So I made the tough decision and decided to go into business for myself. And throughout that journey and the journey that I'm on right now, it brought me to, you know, working with individual advisors, working with, you know, the billion dollar firms that are out there and actually expanding into other marketplaces. So I do a lot of work with real estate agents, you know, mortgage loan officers, uh, business owners. I do a lot of work with some um, attorneys and CPAs, realizing that there's so much uh, crossover and so many similarities between yeah. one industry and the next in terms of just general business practices that it's just allowed me to sort of open up the floodgates and help people outside of just the FA space because of the amount of similarities that there are. No, I love that, man. I love that, that in impact and it leads to income. I think that's so true. I think Gary Vee is a huge, huge, um, he pushes that so hard that if you focus on money, you won't make any money. If you focus on value, you'll make tons and tons of money. So I think that's a very similar theme right there. Can you tell us, you know, because you grew such a successful team, but at the first year you went back, right? You said, and then it took you and you scraped and you clawed to get up to where you're like the top performing team. You know, our audience is probably wondering the same thing I'm wondering. How did you turn that team around? Like, what were your focus? Like, how did you generate new leads for that business? What were the main pain points and the misses that were happening that you turned around? Could you share a little deeper into that story? So it's a multitude of different things. However, I think the main thing that was changed, which is rather, it's a rather simple idea, um, but I think it's very important, is that the mission of our program when I first took over was to identify the future leaders of the firm and to make sure that they're better off having met us than having not met us. And that was sort of the, um, you know, the, the, the mission and, and what we sort of strove for. And what I found in, in doing that is that as soon as I doubted someone that I was working with for one reason or another, as soon as I doubted someone, I would sort of mentally check them out. And I wouldn't coach them as as best as I could hmm. because it was like, well, you're not going to be a future leader of the firm, so what's the point? So then in that following year, we went back to the drawing board and we just flipped that mission around. And we said, okay, the mission of this program <clears throat> is to make sure that you are better off 
having met us than having not met us, because that has nothing to do with whether or not you're working at the firm, right? That has everything to do with developing you as a human being. And beyond that is, yeah, we want to identify the leaders of the firm. So we started with that shift in our mission. And what I integrated into our training program wasn't just how to sell insurance, how to sell investments, how to prospect, et cetera. But we spent a lot of time on personal development. And what happened was, you know, these men and women who were in our organization started getting that feeling that, okay, David and this company like actually cares about us. So it caused everyone, even if they weren't going to do this for a while, everyone was still pulling from the same side of the rope. You know, so that was the, the main major change as it relates to lead generation and things like that. And we're going to get into this um, a little bit later, so I'll just be brief. But I'm a big believer in the fact that it's not about what you know. It's not about who you know, but it's actually about who knows you. And it's all about awareness, mm. right? So that when people have the need of whatever it is that you offer, they're going to think of you when that need comes up. Because in financial services and really any industry, you know, an easy objection for someone to give you is, hey, um, it's just not right. T- it's not the right timing or I'm not in the market for this, even though, you know, you could help them. But when they are in the market for it, you want them to think of you. And we'll talk about that more when we talk about some branding stuff and, and things along those lines. No, I love that. It's about who knows you. It's not about what you know or who you know. It's about who knows you. When you look at your firm, right? What were, were you guys doing cold calling? Were you using social media? Were you doing mainly sphere of influence marketing? What were you guys focused on? So the firm that I grew up in, it was uh, one that you come up with your typical, you know, 200 people that you know, right? Your, your marketing list, so to speak. And then you went out and a certain percentage of those people would become clients. A certain percentage of those people would just be networking partners of yours. And that's how they would build their business. And what we started integrating within that is trying to find ways in which, not necessarily to cold call, but but here here's how I would put it. If someone, you know, you categorize a name, someone that you're calling as an A, B, or C, and it's not based on the amount of money that they have to invest, it's based on your connection to them, right? Yep. And we try and figure out, okay, if someone's a C, right, meaning they don't really know you, how do you get them to a B? Mm-hmm. Right. Or if someone's a B, how do you get them to an A? So how can you refer yourself in there or how can you find a commonality? So um, when we we help them with networking, we would help them put together like feeder lists. So you'd be in an appointment and afterwards you do some networking. You say, hey, I plan on reaching out to you know X, Y and Z person. It seems as if you may know them based on um, the fact that you're connected with them on LinkedIn was wondering what you could tell me about them that I wouldn't already know. Now, as you know, someone on LinkedIn may have 500 plus connections, right? Right. And if they do, right, you don't want to just put on a random name, even if it's, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Big, and you know that they're super wealthy, if they're unlikely to know them, you're wasting that space on that piece of paper. Right. So what you focus on and what we have them focused on is connectivity, not just the connection. So if they went to the same college together, maybe they spent, you know, some time at the same firm together or there was overlap in a particular role or whatever it may be, the likelihood of them actually knowing them was very high so that you could get referred to them. And then we did a lot of work 
and uh, alumni dial. So that's like a glorified cold call where you have that, hey, I went to this high school with you or I went to this college with you or whatever the scenario may be. I love it. I love it. There's an an immediate connection. So we stray away from just the cold, cold calls. We want them, again, to have some sort of connection point. But if they are cold, based on all the resources that we have online, you can find a way to get referred to that person. Correct. Yeah. And I think you're hitting the nail on the head. You're calling it connectivity for us. We, you know, it's called relationship marketing on our side. What we refer to it as it's basically, you know, there's no reason to do a cold call and I'm a huge proponent. I love cold calling, right? There's no reason to do a cold call today. You can literally find out something about everyone and you can find out that in Tony Robbins says it best. You can find out what's one of their greatest pain points, right? or what's one of their greatest desires. And once you start understanding that, that's how you can then start speaking to them in a relevant way, which ultimately will cause them hopefully to take action, whether it's investing money with you, buying real estate, whatever it is. Tell me about, yeah. let's talk about your, and not, not oh, go just, ahead. I would just say not just that, but like the way in which you can warm up a cold call is you take a cold name, number, and email, and you just shoot them an email first, and you let them know that you're going to call them, right? So it's almost like if Luke, if we were in the same room right now and we were going back and forth and I randomly just punched you in the face, you'd probably be a little taken aback. But if I told you before the interview started, Hey Luke, at some point, I'm going to punch you. I'm going to punch you in the face <laughs> when I, when I, right. But when I, but when I do it, you're going to be like, Oh, you got me. Right. Like, yeah, it's great, it, man. It, it, you can sort of play it, play off that. So if you say, you know, Hey, Luke, it's David. I shot you an email yesterday. Did you happen to get that? Immediately, there's that connection point, even if that connection point is just the action of sending an email. Yeah, no, I love that point. I think it's a great sales tactic. I always teach my guys, you want to put yourself where you control the ball where you're not passing the ball to where they have it. So like even like when you're leaving a voicemail, if you, if you would say, hey, David, it's Luke. Sorry, I missed you. I'll try you back later this afternoon. You're keeping the ball in your court. Hey, but if you get a chance, call me back at 484-804. You're still keeping the ball in your court. You're warning them. What you're doing is it's the setup so you can get in. So I love that sales tactic. I think that's awesome. So is that some of the stuff you're coaching? Yeah, you're giving yourself, you're giving yourself permission. Yep, correct. Are, are you coaching that? Let's talk about your coaching business a little bit, right? So you train transition here, you've built a top team. They're telling you, you know, you have this passion and this joy for coaching, but they're saying, hey, look, you definitely can do that, but you can only coach our advisors. So you take a leap of faith out into your, on your own. What is it that someone would get when they come and they, and you coach them? Like walk us through a little bit of what you coach on and how you're helping, you know, whether it's an advisor, a real estate agent, what are you going to break down for them? What are you going to coach them on? So, Part of the, when I started my coaching business, I, I noticed two things in the marketplace um, based on my experience. So number one, typically the coaches and consultants were much older than me, which there's a lot of value in their experience, but it was also tough to relate to that person. On top of that, in order to get value from them, you needed to exchange money because that was the way of doing business, right? And, and in my in my perspective, that's the old way of doing business, whereas now what I do is I offer a lot of stuff similar to you guys with your podcast and, and resources that you offer, I offer a lot of stuff for free. That way they have a chance to get to know, like, and trust me before we even talk about paid services, right? Love that it. way, if they approach me for paid services, they're basically ready to buy. Otherwise, they wouldn't have reached out. Now, what I actually coach on is, you know, I would work with a particular coach in my past life and they would say, hey, I coach on this, which is cool and they're hyper-focused, but I try and do a really great job at, at just listening to what their pain points are and either 
help them solve those problems. That's all a coach and, or a consultant is, is someone who solves problems. And if I can't solve those problems, then I'll introduce them to someone else in my network that, that maybe can. But the coaching services range anywhere from developing a personal brand to attract more people to you and your business, to mindset, to diving deep into your prospecting language, follow-up and process, your business practices, how to create a wow client experience. That way every, they're talking about you to everyone. Um, it can be how to make the sale for the annual review the year before, right? Things along those lines. So it's really taking a snapshot and, and listening to, okay, where's your business at now? Where are you trying to get that to? And then putting together systems and processes to actually get there. And, and quite frankly, a lot of it comes down to activity. And I just wrote an article, um, I want to say it was last week, that's titled um, High Activity Equals Low Anxiety and Low Activity Equals High Anxiety. Yeah, right? So if you have one appointment on that, right, if you have one appointment on that day and they reschedule, well, that sucks. If you have five appointments, six appointments on that day and three reschedule, you're like, thank God, I didn't have time for that anyway. <laughs> so a lot of it is just educating people on the metrics behind the business because a lot of times what will happen is they'll either get a big paycheck or they'll have a really good, like feel good meeting and they get a lot of psychological income, but not actually, mm. right? So it feels good and it feels good in the moment, but they don't have enough activity to create that predictable, sustainable and profitable business. And that's where the ebbs and flows come from. So a lot of my coaching is, Hey, here's the actual activity that you need to have this, the business that you want. And I've seen people follow that system and I have not seen them fail yet. I've seen people not follow the system, do it their own way. Some of them have, have succeeded, but a lot of them have failed. So if you have the blueprint, right, the book, so to speak, that you need to follow, why would you ever sway from that? And, you know, sometimes people just aren't willing to put in the level of effort that's needed to execute on that. Ah, so true, man. So true. Yeah, I see that um, we just got done recording a podcast and this so this this interview will come out after that one, but literally going over your sales KPIs and and tracking each step in that sales funnel. I know that that's something that you really focus on is the system. So what advice would you give someone other than getting your coaching services? But what advice would you give someone to sit down and begin to build that system? And then I guess more importantly, um, or, or after that, how do you continue to track that on a regular basis and really build that into a, a habitual routine in your business is something that's obviously mm -hmm. going to change as you start to list out in, in the article that you're referring, you know, how many calls you should make, how many referrals you should be aiming for. What, what would you, what, what's the advice you would give to someone to sit down and start going through that? So I think that, um, with, tracking those KPIs that you're referring to, whether it be initial appointments or phone calls or closing appointments or whatever the metric is, it doesn't really matter for what I'm about to say. But what I mean is you, you need to track those on a daily basis. Nice. I don't care if it's paper and pen or a CRM, obviously you prefer a, a robust CRM system, but the point is you just have to track it because what it does is it removes the emotion from that day, whether that emotion is good right. or bad, right? It allows you to turn the page and start that new day fresh. That way you don't have, you know, hey, I closed a big case yesterday, therefore I'm not going to work as hard the following day. It's like, no, it's a brand new day. So I think it starts with defining what your process is, what the KPIs that you're striving for, and then from there, 
actually tracking those and keeping a scorecard. Because at the end of the day, in a sales-based organization, no one's really holding your hand. And if you're not doing the job, you're going to be out or you're going to be broke, whichever comes first. <laughs> Amen to that. happens at the same time. You know, so it's, it's a matter of tracking it. And, and Josh, I forget the part two of your question, um, but that would be the, the answer to the first one, which is you, you got to dive in and track those things um, diligently. Yeah. And, it's just, and because that was, I mean, for example, is, right. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, for example, like as a financial advisor, um, you should, for every person that you reach on the phone, you should be booking at least half of them. Right. Okay. Based on the KPIs that I've experienced and I coach on and keep in mind, these aren't cold calls, right? These are, there's a more warmer calls. And so I can, I can, look at your metrics. And if I see that you're only booking 25% of the people that you reach, well, then I know as a coach at that point, okay, we need to work on your phoning language. Right. Right. So by tracking your KPIs, it, it identifies opportunities of where to improve because if you can just make a small shift in each of those areas, you look forward and you're like, damn, my business just two or three X based on a couple small changes in my process. Yeah. Now, you're hitting the nail on the head. I think one of the things entrepreneurs suffer from so much is the business runs them. They don't run the business. And it's because when your feet hit the mm-hmm. ground in the morning, you have you don't have the metrics that are guiding you. And I love your point that says about the anxiety. If, if your anxiety is high, your activity is low. And I think that's so true. Grant Cardone says for salespeople, if you are worried about losing a deal, it's because your pipeline's not full enough. You should not be worried about losing a deal. Mm-hmm. And we all know as in sales, uh, so much of how you close a deal really comes from your confidence. In order, like in terms of growing your business, right? What have been some of the major challenges that you faced? And even getting out on your own and growing this coaching business, what have been some of the major challenges that you faced as an entrepreneur? So I think some of the major challenges is trying to balance between offering stuff for free and then having the courage and the audacity to then ask for money at some point. Mm, yeah. Um, and that was sort of when I, when I had first started, right. It was, you know, I wanted to do this the quote unquote right way. Like I wanted to build relationships with people and provide them value knowing that it's going to come back, you know, at, at the end of the day. So it was trying to, you know, as I was building this content and, doing webinars or building an online course or whatever. It's like, okay, well, what should I give away for free and what should I pay for or what should I charge for? So that was one of the major challenges. And then the other challenge I would say is um, I think I underpriced myself um, at the very beginning for my services, whether it be individual coaching or consulting and things like that. And, um, what ended up happening was some of the people that I started working with at the beginning, what's interesting is that the less they pay you, the more of a pain in the butt they are. And the less they actually follow through on stuff, the more they pay you, so true. the more they listen and actually follow through. <laughs> right. So I started increasing prices. And as soon as I started doing that, I realized I could spend more time with those people, provide more value to them, and they're going to have more impact on their business. So it was the balance between free services and paid services. And then of those paid services, how much to actually charge. So how did you overcome um, I'm, that? I'm finally now get, how did you overcome that? How'd you build um, your confidence? I, just, I, 
So I, I have a coach uh, myself as well, and, and he just Love said, it. as of today, your, your price is X. And you're not going back. So good, so good. That's was, gold was, right there. It was literally, <laughs> it was literally just, it was literally just flipping the switch and making the decision. You know why that's gold for everybody who's listening to this is because he has a coach, which I'm assuming is probably super successful person that you want to be like, right? That has done things and has experience that maybe you don't have, right? Someone you look up to, right? And here's a person, they're not necessarily telling you a grandiose plan. They're literally just saying, nope, we're making a decision. Today is the day and you're going to charge more for it. And that's what it's going to be. Made a decision, burnt the bridge. It's going to be that. You can't go back. And you hear that so often. I remember going to 10X Growth Con and here's a billionaire up on stage, not Grant Cardone, it's a guy named, I think, Narmeen or something like that, Narjeem or something, but he's worth like a billion dollars. And he's saying the the key to his success was literally just burning the bridge. It's just making a decision, burning the bridge and moving forward. That's why that decision is gold. I love that. So let me ask you this next Mm -hmm. real question. This is out of my own curiosity because we put out so much free stuff, right, Josh? We, We put so much effort and money into putting out value for free because we believe like you do that it will return 10x. Has it returned for you? Like in all honesty, being as real as can possibly be, when you look at all the stuff you've done for free versus what you're making and, and getting paid for now, has it been worth it to you? It's been there, has there been mistakes in the free, free content that you've put out? So what I would tell you is that things are still unfolding. Yep. Um, what, it, what the free content has done so far is obviously it's generated revenue otherwise. I, I would have pulled shop off, right? <laughs> um, exactly. Um, but what I would tell you is that it's created a ton of clout. So when someone does their research on me, right, they can go on whatever social media platform, they can go on my website and they can see everything that I've done. And to the point where they can't scroll to the bottom because there's so much stuff. So what it does is it positions, it positions you as the authority figure right? It positions you as the trusted advisor, so to speak. And things that I'm in the process of working on right now is it's generated introduction to send out six and seven figure proposals to these multi-billion dollar firms to help them redevelop and digitize their training programs. So that's why I said it's created a lot of clout. It's created enough revenue for me to continue to do this. But the stuff that's on the horizon has all come from the free content that I've, that I've created. So everything is sort of in works through Q4 and Q1 for those larger ticket deals. Um, but the biggest thing that it does is it creates clout and it positions you as the authority figure. That way, when someone does their research, um, they, they have plenty of, plenty of ways to sort of get to know who you are, right? It's, 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 Rather than a resume, they get to go online and see who I really am. Yeah, it forms the, right, it helps form the impression. On a piece of paper. Now, yeah, I agree with you. I think we've seen yeah. the same thing in our own business is that it really positions you as the authority or, you know, on the subject matter, which builds that trust. And we all know you said it on this podcast. We say it all the time. In order to close a deal, you got to be known, like, and trusted. Content gets you known, like, and trusted. It's one of those things that can help with the trifecta. You've actually written a book recently on branding, right? And on, you know, yep. how to position yourself as the brand of choice. I mean, talk to us a little bit about this book. Um, you know, what, what are you hoping that people get out of it? So from building my personal, it's interesting. So when I was an advisor, I did a lot of the outreach myself to gather my own clients, right? Making 40, 50, 60 phone calls a day. Right. Um, and I didn't really focus much on personal branding whatsoever. And I told myself when I started this business, that I wanted to do it differently. 
Um, not that I was afraid to pick up the phone and I still picked up the phone plenty of time, but I wanted to prove to myself that I could attract people to me. Um, so what I did was I compiled a list of different mistakes, right, that I was making as I was building my personal brand, trying to leverage it off my plate and not owning it myself, right, whether it was hiding behind text and pictures and, and not showing my face, right, to give them the opportunity to actually get to know, like, and trust me, not just my words, right, and things like that. So the, the goal of the book, um, uh, it's actually funny, the, the goal of the book is to, A, get people to avoid those mistakes, right, right obviously, um, B, to get them to start building their personal brand, whether they're an employee, an employer, entrepreneur, business owner, whatever it is, like a personal brand is so critical. And quite frankly, the third thing is that when you show up to speak and you have a pile of books with your picture on it, it just helps <laughs> putting you as positioning you as the authority. I even love more. it, man. So, yes. Yeah, there's a, there, there's obviously a motive behind, behind it as well, you know, business wise. And it leads with helping people and impacting them and it ends with additional revenue to, to the company. In today's age, everybody has a brand. Whether you know it or not, you have a brand. So why would you not want to be out in front of it and controlling what people perceive yep. of your brand versus what they're going to find out oh, about absolutely. you? So, I mean, <clears throat> David, talk a little bit about how did you go from a, a producer, uh, a leader, manager within an organization to then becoming a content creator? I mean, as you're moving into coaching and putting all this free content out there, how did you transition into that? Were you always good at writing? Is this something that you, you always had the ability to do? You're sh no, shaking your head. <laughs> I was the type of person, I was the type of person in, uh, in college where, you know, I'd find out which one of my boys finished their paper already. And I'd be like, Hey, can I take a look at it and change a bunch of, like I, he, I he was a salesman. Hated writing. Yeah. And it right. I, I didn't, I didn't hate writing, although I, I hated writing on the topics that were assigned is what I was, what I came to find out. And it's interesting, um, back before I started my business, um, I read Gary Vee's book, Crushing It. Um, and I ended up finishing that in a couple of days. And then within a couple of weeks, I had read all his other books and then I just took immediate action. Um, I started my business like a month after that. Love it. Um, and just put my head down and I was, you know, my routine now is most of my content that I create, um, is done between the hours of, you know, four in the morning and seven in the morning. So I'm done all my content creation and my own personal well-being, whether it be gym and meal prep and stuff like that, is all done typically before other people are even awake. So it's it's a matter of learning it, implementing it, and then doing it when there aren't any other distractions because everyone else is sleeping at those hours. Um, and that's when I that when I get my best creativity. So like when I was writing my book, it was literally just when I would wake up first thing in the morning, I'd sit down and write for 30 or 60 minutes and you compound that over five, six months and you wake up and you have a book, you know, like it's, uh, uh, it's, think, it's not rocket science. It's just the, the little steps that you do on a daily basis add up. I think that's something that a lot of people, um, I know when we, when we talk about creating content and using this as lead generation for your business or a way to put yourself out there as an industry expert, um, it's always a struggling point because it's like, well, I'm not a writer. I don't create this. But mm -hmm. what, what you're saying and what I'm hearing is uh, you're, you're listening to others, right? So going through and reading everything that Gary Vee wrote, that's automatically going to inspire you and start to almost shape your own style probably in a way, kind of looking at that and reading from other authors and then taking that style and being able to apply it with your own thoughts. And the other thing which will lead us into our next question is making it a daily habit. 
making it something that you're committing to every single day where I know Stephen King used to say this as an author. He would he would force himself to write Jerry Seinfeld is the same way to write an hour a day or mm. to write a certain amount of hours a day, whether or not there was a great idea or inspiration. Some of the best songwriters in Nashville do the same thing. They for, force themselves to write songs every day. Yeah, because and ultimately, you know, it's driving the success in your business. What are some other things? Are there any other two, three things that you do? every single day or that you coach your FAs on doing every day to really drive your success, whether it's in business or your personal life? So before I get to that, just to hit on something that you had just said, um, and, and this is a Gary Vee-ism, is that when you first start off and you don't think that you're a good writer, um, that's okay because no one's reading your stuff anyways, <laughs> right? So in the beginning, it's, it's just, just, like it's just right. a matter yeah, of finding your own voice, right? It's just a matter of finding your own voice and your own style. And, and what I've found is the best way to write is the way in which you talk, yeah. right? So like gone are the days of like the MLA format BS in school and like mm-hmm. having these references and this, it's just like, no, just, just write from the heart, right? It doesn't need to be overcomplicated. But in terms of daily habits, um, I do five things every day. Okay, and I'll give you the categories because they're going to be different for everyone. And I'll give you examples for those categories because for me, they do shift once they become a habit. But I focus on, of those five things, two of them are moving me forward as a person. So examples of that could be um, breathing. It could be uh, eating clean. It could be going to the gym, something like that, right? But I focus on moving myself forward every day. The other two things... Um, are moving my business forward, right? So it could be X amount of phone calls, X amount of emails, X amount of content on a, on a given basis, right? X amount of follow-up, um, things along those lines. And then the last thing is moving other people forward. So um, things that I've done in the past is, you know, doing two good deeds, whether it's putting the, the carriage away at the grocery store, buying someone's coffee, um, something like that, or calling two people, um, and just checking in, seeing how they're doing. Because one thing I found when I was an advisor is that a lot of people who were close to me started avoiding my phone calls because they knew I wanted something. Mm. So now with my new business, I just call people for the sake of calling people just to check in and see how they're doing. Or another example, how to move others forward is connecting two people that may benefit from knowing one another without any financial reward on your end. Because what I found is that if you can have a well-rounded day every single day, you're, you're happy, right? The days in which I wasn't happy was when, like, I shouldn't have a bad day if I have, like, a, you know, crap hits the fan at work, even though I did the things I needed to do. Everything personally was fine, but then that crap that hit the fan that was out of my control totally robs me of my happiness from the other ways in which I move forward. So I focus on these things on a daily basis, and all of them are 100% in my control because I can't control the results, I can just control my effort. And those are, those are the things that I do on a daily basis. And what I do is I plan those out most, most of the time, um, the night before that way, when I go to bed, right, the subconscious kicks in and you start envisioning right, what's going to happen the following day and going back to tracking KPIs. When I plan out my following day, whether it's an initial meeting, a closing meeting, a coaching meeting, whatever, I literally to a T plan out what's going to happen in that. So Mm. I may say, you know, uh, initial meeting or closing meeting, you know, get introduced to three more people. And then when I go back and post that day, if I get introduced to three people, it's like, well, 
check mark. Like, awesome. If I get introduced to one person or two people, it's like, okay, well, what could I have done differently to get that extra referral? So I try and envision those things happening as much as I can. And it's crazy how it happens, but it tends to work out the way you the way you think it, it should. Dude, that's awesome. That was worth the whole podcast right there. Dude, that framework, because we've asked this question multiple, multiple times to people we've interviewed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we hear great, great answers. But that framework I love because so often we go to the specifics of what we do. Like I get up and I go to the gym or I say right. a prayer or something like that. But life is constantly changing. And so, you know, we talked earlier on another podcast, you live, you know, the cycle of four quarters in a year. And your priority shift and based upon your priorities, you have different things you're going to do every day. But that framework of moving forward as a person, moving business forward, and then moving others forward. It's such a great framework. Let me ask you this, David, now that you know what you know, right? So you're still a young guy, but you've been in the business now for years. Knowing what you know now, what would you go back and tell younger David? You know, what would you invest a hundred times more into? What would you avoid like the plague? I mean, what have you learned? What would you tell your younger self? So it's, it's, one major thing. So, um, I've always been, um, focused on the result, right? So like when I graduated college, like my goal that year was to make a hundred thousand dollars, right? That was sort of like my benchmark. I figured, Hey, if I did that at 21 years old, like what does 31 look like? What does 41 look like? Like, I'm probably not going to go backward. And I surpassed that goal in my first year, but it didn't feel like as cool as I thought. Mm. Um, and looking back, the year leading up to it, like I was miserable, right? I was, mis- I was making money, but I was miserable because I was so focused on whatever that result was. And in subsequent years, I, I started, you know, I was doing that same thing where I was, you know, focused on that next thing and that next thing. And I was tying my happiness to a split second of that year, because when you hit a goal, it literally happens and it's done. So yeah. it's like, you're literally happy for a second. Right. Yeah. So then my, co- which my coach, by the way, is, um, Dave Meltzer, uh, CEO of sports one marketing. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, if you're not following, yeah. So if you, if you're not following him on Instagram, you should, he's awesome. But, um, so he always talks about, um, having the consistent everyday persistent without quit enjoyment of the pursuit of your potential. And really what that means is just enjoying the process, understanding that, every step that you're taking on a daily basis, there's an opportunity to learn, there's an opportunity to grow, and there's an opportunity to impact. And if you just measure your day in those micro moments, you're, and you end up creating your own happiness. And then whatever the result is, it doesn't matter. It's probably more than what you were shooting for because you're maximizing every single day that you have, but it allows you to enjoy that process rather than just marrying yourself to the actual result that you're shooting for. Yeah, man. Once you really truly enjoy to you know enjoy the ride, that's when it all comes into perspective. And that's so hard to do. I've heard that so often in my life, and, and I have to constantly remind myself: enjoy the moment you're in, enjoy the ride. And because the goal, like, I mean, it's amazing what you say. It's like the rewards, once you hit them, they don't really mean anything. Yeah, the goals, <laughs> like, the every time we've hit a goal, I'm just like, all right, now, <laughs> now on to the next one. So I think that's amazing advice, man. Great, great advice. David, tell everyone where they can get in touch with you or if there's anything that you want them to know about, about your coaching program. Yeah, so um, in terms of where to find me, um, my website is simply davidstell.com. Um, last name is spelled D E C E L L E 
Also, if you go to davidestell.com slash book, uh, you can order my new book um, that is in the midst of being printed right now. The pre-sale oh, man, just awesome. ended last week. Congrats. Um, so, so super excited about that. Um, LinkedIn, obviously, is just David Estell. And then Instagram is where a lot of my content live as well. And that's just at David underscore Destell. And in, in terms of coaching, um, you know, hit me up on one of those social platforms. There's a lead gen form on my website. You can hit me up there. Um, and we can see if you can be a fit. We do uh, both consulting packages. We do monthly coaching packages. Um, and I'll provide some references for you guys um, if you if you want to see some of those and some of the prior success that we've had with individuals like yourself, those of you who are listening. Um, but that's where you can uh, where you can find me. And always looking to connect with like-minded individuals. Um, and whether it's a quick conversation that goes nowhere monetarily um, or it does, it doesn't matter. I'm just again. The more people that I know and the more people that know me, um, the more good stuff will happen eventually. That's awesome. awesome. And definitely make sure to check out David's blog and podcast also. I know <clears throat> we talked a little bit about it, but if you are a professional and you're looking to to create content or you're hearing all of this advice out there about, hey, you got to be making content, you got to be bringing value, and you're not sure how, and, and David talked about this on the website, it's great content that he's putting out there because it's genuine. And when you read right. it, when you listen to it, you yep. understand this is coming from a genuine place where you want to help people, but it's also, like you said, I mean, you're writing like you would talk on this podcast. You're writing like you would talk to any one of your clients or to your buddy about their business. So awesome stuff. Make sure to check that out. Thanks so much for being here, David. Really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you guys for having me. I'm excited to see where uh, this relationship grows to. It's going to blow up, man. That's what's <laughs> going to happen. It's going to blow up. And more importantly, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Okay. If you liked what you heard today, on Stay Paid, please go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating. Make sure to leave a comment. You can also find our podcast in video. You can watch this interview on youtube.com slash remindermedia. You can also find it on staypaidpodcast.com. Please make sure to tell someone else about the podcast today. And if you want to get hold of me or Luke, email us at podcast at remindermedia.com or find us on Instagram or LinkedIn. And, of course, you can check out Reminder Media on social media. We are at Reminder Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. And I'm Luke Ankery, guys. And I'm going to close with this because I think it's awesome. I think this is the action item for the podcast as I listen to David's story. You know, he inspires because he is a young hustler. I mean, this guy is amazing of what he's accomplished at such a young age. Guys, put this framework that he just shared with us on that question where we asked him, what does he do every day? Put this framework into action. I'm going to do this for myself. It's literally... What am I doing tomorrow that's going to move me forward as a person? And that's my spiritual health, my, my physical health. What am I doing for myself? He said he did two things. Second is, what am I doing to move my business forward? So we talk about KPIs a little bit on this podcast. You know, what is that KPI that I'm going to hit? What are the dials I'm going to hit if I'm a salesman? You know, how many blogs am I going to write if I'm a writer? What am I doing to move my business forward? And then the third portion of the framework, which is what am I doing to give back? What am I doing to move others forward? I think that framework right there, guys, is amazing. I'm going to apply it to my own life. Take action on that. Remember that the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in any business is they don't just hear, they hear and put into action. They take action. So take this framework, put it into action for yourself for a week and start looking at the results and how it changes your life and changes your business. Take action on that today, guys. Mm-hmm.